three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to to this the due <laughs> <laughs> to this we are recording this very late for you. Uh, I mean, no, it's only nine fifteen. I'm usually up till like five a.m. Usually, how many Baja blasts have you had? None yet today. Oh, Maybe shit. that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> Still talking, so Craig doesn't go away. Also, it's uh, pretty perfect that Paul's shirt said drink on it. Drinking what? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what does right. your shirt say? I drink. What does your shirt say? I drink and. Oh, I drink and I know things. Oh, okay, so drink uh, that Baja Blast. Go ahead. Some yeah. ASMR. God, I clipped my nail so I can't get it. Okay, there we go. Did, did it even no, pick it up? I didn't know. I didn't even get it. Fuck, I was like, that on. was the gentlest can opening. Anyway. What a good mic. Uh, hello, and welcome back to Silly Merlin ASMR. I can't. I can't, can't no. <laughs> I can't do. I can't the, do the, the mic level noises. isn't to ASMR mode. It's, I'm sorry. This is gonna all have to be mouth sounds. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, you know this will count as the beginning goof. All right. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Silly Marillion. This is a podcast where I, Paul, a lifelong Tolkien fan, uh, introduce Tori to the literary aspects of Tolkien's universe, starting with the Silly Marillion. Tori, Hello. welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me, Paul. Thank you for having me oh, every week. We literally wouldn't have this show without you. So You don't have a choice. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't prefer a choice because you're perfect. You're like an amazing. <laughs> well, first off, I don't think I do because so many other people are familiar with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so that's really why I'm here. It's because well, I was the last person on Middle that Earth. And your natural didn't. charm, of course. Oh, thank you. The camera is on. You could see me blushing. <laughs> you know what? That could be a Patreon thing. You get to see our video. <laughs> Version. Does Craig record video too? Craig, I don't think records video, but I could record using OBS. Oh, that would record our video. Mm, all right. Hell, we could probably just stream this at times. So this but... is a shout out. Uh, follow her Patreon, which isn't here yet. Yeah, but that's I, actually a good, a good something to store for later. Yeah, yeah. For a rainy but day. That's a perfect segue because uh, this podcast is currently sponsored by. Ethan, Ethan, I don't know yes. where you are, but you're supporting us every month, so thank you. Ethan, I don't know what compelled you to support <laughs> us. I don't know if Tori's holding any family members of yours hostage, uh, but thank you for <laughs> supporting us. We weren't expecting. We haven't any... met, and now you're our favorite person, so shout out to Ethan. You know, we're going to, you know, should we memorialize them with... Uh, uh, 
when if we do get a Patreon up, like the fifteen dollar tier is the Ethan tier. The Ethan tier. tier? Oh, I love that. Yes. Ethan doesn't know what they've gone into. <laughs> they made the mistake of being the first person to give us money, and we're like, ah! And when I frame that dollar up on the wall, I'm going to say, courtesy of Ethan. Anyway, yeah. if you guys want to support us, you can on anchor.com slash sillymerillion. Give, give what you want. We do this for free. Uh, honestly, it's kind of more of a hobby for me anyway. But It's just, it's just a joy. But it, that's it, a great segue to the next part. Ooh, Sorry. I'm just spilling. Excited. I'm just so excited. Um, yesterday and today, I woke up to so many photos of Varda. Paul, yes. my heart, it burst. So I want to give shout outs to everyone because I, I am just a measly podcaster. And I was like, I love Varda. She's great. Like, Send me fan art. You don't even have to draw it. Just send it to me. And people yeah. have been drawing it and been like, here, Tori. It's been fantastic. We've had Aaron, who guested on our Eagles Are Coming show. Uh, we have, uh, I think, Laura, Laura did one. Yeah, Laura. Mm -hmm. uh, Cassie. Cassie did one as well. I loved Cassie's with the face covering. And yes. All They're the all... It's so cool when people do the Valar because it's true. There's not really like really this image of them. It's kind of like so interpretive. You, yeah, you, it's like almost how like people like uh, would draw like um, angels kind of. Yeah. Like there are so many different interpretations of angels that it really like comes off as very interesting. And of course, yeah. like always down to see cool art of anything lord of the rings that you have yeah. uh if you do have lord of the rings art send it to us we love to see it we're uh, hanging out on twitter toriello and, we, and good looking geek like at we us. will literally just reblog them re-blog, <laughs> re retweet i retweet. outed myself as a tumblr user <laughs> Fuck. god damn it no uh, one must know anyway also another shout out to evelyn who sent me uh, their drawing of Yavanna, which was also gorgeous. So please, oh. please keep sending me pictures of yeah. your Valar. I will fangirl at every single one. They are so mm -hmm. good. So freaking uh, talented. I have a very important question for you. Oh, yes. Um, so Tolkien is writing... Is it The History of Middle-Earth? Is that what it's called? Coming out next month oh, in September? Oh, uh, The Nature of Middle-Earth. Nature uh, of Middle-Earth. It is what they do is they just take a bunch of notes Tolkien had about random thoughts he had about. He has so many notes. How, how are they still coming out? Them. I don't know. I think they're spacing them out. And some of it's just like a repeat of stuff we already know. Hmm. But like, uh, what's your question though? <laughs> I that... need to know because you're so good at speaking Elvish, how to say lesbians in Elvish. Lesbians? Yeah. I don't. The correct term is love sisters, based off of the passage that just came out. Uh, can you send it or, to me? Yeah. Which, it's not necessarily queer-coded, but, you know, because I'm a queer, I'm going to queer-code everything. And I, I think you would be proud, Paul. I've had so many Tolkien conversations this week. Yeah? And I've held up my own pretty well <laughs> mm -hmm. okay, i'm just picturing like 
Mulan, I'll make a man out of you, but it's like, <laughs> I'll make a nerd out of you. <laughs> Luckily, I'm already a nerd. I know, just I'm nerdier. just, building on, just building on firm foundations yeah. here. <laughs> have you, you must have seen this passage. I, I think I have, but I don't, I, I, I don't think I paid attention to the actual um, uh, phrase that was used for it. Yes, alright, so Love Sisters is Melitheldi. Melitheldi? Melitheldi. And Love Brothers is Melotorni. Melotorni? There's kind of a Tori in there. Melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> Melatonin. Uh, and then, uh, where is the... Faya? Uh, Faya? Yeah, that is uh, the soul, basically. The soul. And then there was one more in here that meant body, right? Uh, uh, Roa? Yes. Uh, I believe so, yeah. It's Fun. the Faya... No, uh, Hroa. Hroa. Hroa? Hroa, I think. (laughs) Let me see. I gotta see this. It's a really fun passage. Uh... And in case this makes it into the podcast episode, uh, they released a passage from Nature of Middle Earth where it talks about elves, love, sex, gender, and attraction, and kind of how they go about that. And I'm not saying it's gay, but I'm also saying it's kind of gay. They give the etymology, but they don't give like a, this is how you pronounce it. I always say Hroa. Uh, Hroa? Hroa, yeah. Something like that. I think. I don't know. Melotheldi. I will now only go by that. Put that in your Twitter bio. Yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, I should make it my Twitter handle. I'm sure Melody. people have already swooped up on it. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I know where we're starting now. All right. So yeah, uh, with that bit of housekeeping out of the way, let's get down to the Business silliness of the to silly defeat room. the Huns. Sorry. Boy. <laughs> Don't want to get copyrighted by Disney. Yeah, I, I just like, <laughs> Disney's lawyers just called me. Uh, I'm tired of the references. Also, they're tired of me talking bad about their handling of Star Wars. But Craig wasn't there yet. They don't oh, know about yes. that. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes. So last time it was basically we basically focused on the Noldor settling here in Beleriand, each settling up their little kingdoms. Uh, making alliances with each other. Uh, you got oh, Fingolfin, yeah. the high. Fingolfin is now the high king, after Mithros basically handed it to him as kind of a "sorry, we left you for dead" uh, present. Yeah, sorry. Uh, also, after Feanor died, that was last episode, right? That was two episodes ago, I think. Oh wait. Oh what? well, okay. Technically, was two episodes because we did our bonus podcast. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. I'm going to lose track of everything so much. It's all right. I'm already losing track of all these names. It's fine. But yeah. We keep on keeping on. Uh, and then we also covered how uh, both Finrod and Turgon both got dreams from Almo, god of the seas. Oh, god of the waters, really, because he he's got rivers, too. Those are also his thing. About uh, they would not be safe 
uh, and that they needed to make secret uh, cities, basically, to protect their people, to outlast the darkness that would be coming eventually. Uh, at this point, Morgoth is kind of locked up in his fortress. He's not willing to go out. He's basically surrounded by all these tall, powerful, terrifying elves from the West who have emerged. Honestly, the smart move. Uh, there's a sun and moon now, which affects his orcs. The oh, orcs yeah, are terrified of the that. sun. Uh, and so he's kind of just biding his time. He's withdrawn himself. And, and again, Finrod, it's the calm before the storm. I have a feeling I'm going to find out what the next storm is. <laughs> because, uh, with, Sil with the Silmarillion, there's always another storm at the very end. <laughs> there like, is no calm. It's just to like, breathe for half a second and then... Yeah, there are periods of calm, but they're like, you know something bad's going to happen after them. <laughs> uh, they need to be earned. Uh, with um, Finrod, he creates the secret city of Nargothrond, which is kind of in this cave, underground cave system beside this uh, river. And to get to the entrance, you have to kind of go along this little winding side path and Basically, all the plains surrounding these hills where Nargothrond is are kind of secretly watched by elves. They have these secret watchtowers that like look Ooh. like hills, but they're actually like secret little watchtowers that elves will Clever. buy out. So if any orcs even wander into the area, they're killed. And so uh, the Dark Lord Morgoth has no idea the precise location of Nargothrond. And that mm. essentially keeps them safe. Good job, Finrod. Then you have Gondolin, which is ruled by Torgon, who was a friend of Finrod, but they each thought they alone got the dream to make secret cities. Because again, these families don't communicate. Yeah, it's lack of commu a lot communication. A lot of things could be solved with Maybe this. a little therapy. And I'm just saying. Level-headedness, really. Just like, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's not get too extreme A little here. common sense. Let's but that's fine. Down. That's fine. Have some bread. Maybe you'll calm down. <laughs> Maybe um, you're just hangry. Hey, Have a Snickers. You're not you. You're, yeah, you're not you <laughs> when you're uh, hungry. God. <sighs> Those were actually very we're, we're killing it with the references so far. Hey. Hey, kids, remember those Super Bowl commercials from circa 2015? I remember them. Sips a Baja Blast out of a can. Always. God, if we could get a sponsorship from Taco Bell. For at Baja Taco Bell. Blast, at Taco Bell. You'd be the happiest kid ever. Honestly, I just need... Manifest it. Not the happiest kid. Happiest addict, maybe. But... <laughs> But yeah, Torgon, he builds this secret city in the mountains in this basically, it's kind of a circular valley. Uh, what was if it you called look, again? Gondolin. And, um, you know, in, uh, in Lord of the Rings, that sword Frodo has that glows blue when orcs are nearby. Yeah. That the was sting? forged. Yeah, that was forged in Gondolin Ooh. back in the first age. It's a very old weapon. Wait. It's from the first age? Yeah, it, it gets oh, forged heck. here in Gondolin in the first age to fight the orcs. And then Whoa. somehow it makes its way to this troll horde where Bilbo finds it. And Bilbo's really good at finding things. Is he a Hufflepuff? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I 
I mean, I'm a Hufflepuff because me too. Hey, wow. <laughs> I mean, that can't that can't be a big surprise to people who no. know. Us. Like <laughs> this cannot be. Not for me, who's like, if anyone, if I think anyone dislikes me, I am uncomfortable the rest yes. of the day because I need wow. everyone to like me. Oh my God, Paul. Um, that's going to be the Twitter poll for this episode. Please uh, add us and tell us if you think Bilbo is a Hufflepuff. Kind of want to <laughs> assign, no, we'll assign Hogwarts houses to Lord of the Rings characters when we get to Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yes. Bonus pod. Anyway, okay. um, Gondolin and Sting came from there. That's cool. Will I learn about Sting later? Uh, I mean, not it really. Uh, it's that's so cool. The blade. It's just a blade from Gondolin that ends up in Bilbo's hand, and uh, but uh, Gandalf's sword, Glamdring, is also from Gondolin. Oh, and then Thorin Oakenshield from The Hobbit. He also gets a sword from Gondolin called Orcrist. Wow. And it is. Gondolin is sword I town. can't wait to get to other stuff that's in more detail in like The <laughs> Hobbit and Lord of the Rings with you. We could make it more like a book club in that aspect. <laughs> um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yes. But uh, Torgon founds Gondolin in this bunch of mountains called the Encircling Mountains. Uh, they are very tall, very treacherous. The only way to get to this hidden valley is through this old dried up riverbed that's kind of formed like an underground tunnel. And Torgon mm. like builds like seven gates to guard it one after the other. Um, and then you also have the uh, eagles, the great eagles. They the eagles live are coming. in the encircling mountains. So any orcs that even try to climb up the mountains, the eagles just kind of grab them and drop them off the edge and just oh, kind man. of fuck off uh motion i mean no offense um, to finrod but gondolin sounds like the place to be it kind of is uh granted like nargothrond is a bit more open you can go places the thing about gondolin is once you live there you're not allowed to leave mm. it's going to stay secret you come to gondolin you are on locked you are in quarantine. <laughs> you're dying there you're oh, you God. are in quarantine <laughs> you are not leaving the city paul too soon too soon <laughs> You gotta wear your masks. <laughs> Gondolin is always under a mask mandate. Um, but, uh, uh... So yeah, the big thing about Gondolin is you can't leave. So, Torgon basically leaves all the people who will follow him away from this old, his old city of Vinyamar by the coast, which is kind of like this quaint town, and then moves them all to this big, glorious city hidden in the mountains. Uh, if you look up pictures of Gondolin, uh, it is quite a sight to behold. Ooh, but, okay. Um, I love me some architecture. Yeah. Uh, Turgon has a sister named Erethel, and she is called the White Lady of the Noldor, because uh, she always likes to wear white, apparently. <laughs> um, she goes to Gondolin with her brother, and uh, she stays there. Uh, but she was really good friends with the sons of Feanor. Um, mm. And so... That guy. Uh, eventually, she's like, Hey, Torgon, uh, I want to go visit the sons of Feanor. And Torgon's like, uh, You can't, because that's the rules. That you can't Always. leave once you come here. No boys for you. But uh, she, she kind of just gives him this look. 
Uh, and then uh, he says, Go then, if you will, though it is against my wisdom, and I forebode that ill will come of it, both to you and to me. But you shall go only to seek Fingon, our brother, and those that I send with you shall return hither to Gondolin as swiftly as they may. But Arathel said, I'm your sister and not your servant, and beyond your bounds Ooh. I will go as seems good to me. And if you Burn. begrudge me an escort, then I will go alone. Oh, she a teenager. Yeah, she is. Sassy remarks. She is the sassy sister. <laughs> uh, then Torgon answered, I grudge you nothing that I have, yet I desire that none shall dwell beyond my walls who know the way hither. And I trust you, my sister. Others I trust less to keep guard on their tongues. But he essentially appoints three of his most trusted lords to basically escort her to visit. Because uh, she says, oh, I'm only visiting my brother. But uh, as soon as they leave, she basically turns to the lords and says, actually, I lied. We're not visiting my brother Fingon. Uh, I want to visit my friends, the sons of Feanor. And they're mm. like, uh, I think that's a bad idea. And yeah. she's like, if we've learned anything, if someone foreshadows something bad, you should listen. Mm -hmm. And she uh, essentially was like, look, go away if you want, but I'm going to see the sons of Feanor. So these lords uh, join her and uh, they uh, come down from Gondolin and a sa the safest way would f be for them to enter the woodland realm of Doriath, which is protected by this girdle of Melian, this magical enchantment. So mm. they won't have to worry about uh, getting attacked because just north of that, the she'd have to pass through this place called, I think it's Nandungortheb, I believe. Uh, and it is where... Uh, you remember Ungoliant, the giant spider who sucked yes. the trees dry? That's where she fled after Morgoth's Balrog scared her away. She and, died and ate herself, right? Yeah, she ate herself, but she had many spider spawn there. Oh, and there course. are said to be many terrors of Nandan Gortheb. And it's also said that like, the venom of those spiders poisoned all waters that flowed from there. Oh. So that if you drank it, you would go insane, essentially. Ooh. So it's not a good place to travel. So <laughs> Sounds lovely. They first go to, uh, they head to the girdle and they're stopped by these march wardens uh, at the forest edge. And uh, they're like, uh, you can't uh, cross here, through here, because you're going to see the sons of Feanor. And uh, Thingol has... Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, by now, Thingol has found out about the kinslaying at Alqualande. Ooh. And he's pissed because those were his brother. Those were his people. Yeah. Yeah. I was pissed too. They weren't even my people. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, no sons of Feanor can enter my realm, and anyone who's friends with them can't enter my realm. The only you know people what? who Valid. will enter my realm are like my nephew, my great nephews, like Finrod. And Angrod and Agnor. And he's like, they, they're family. And uh, like Fast and Furious, I'm all about family. So they can come <laughs> in. But everyone else is out for like 500 years. Because I can't deal with your shit. You know no what? Valid. Valid. And so, uh, because Arathel isn't related to Thingol, and she's friends with the Sons of Feanor, the March Warrens are like, yeah, no, sorry, you can't come in. Um, 
it's closed. Sorry. Closed uh, for business. Closed for business. Again, um, quarantine. We're not letting quarant- outsiders. We don't know if you have the COVID. Uh, she didn't have a mask, and they weren't letting her in. <laughs> yeah. And then she threw a fit. I can't say that. I like Aerith, though. Um, She's not a Karen. Mm-hmm. But um, she essentially is like, okay, fine. Fuck you guys. So she goes into this region called Nandangortheb. And they stick close to the sides of the mountains. Uh, but essentially, uh, she gets cut off from her uh, escorts. And they kind of return and tell Turgon, hey, we lost your sister. And I was going like, to say, they went back and said, yeah. oh, oops, lost oops. her. And she went to the place he didn't want her to go to. Yeah, so she eventually, beyond Nandangortheb, is this land where uh, Kelegorm and Kurufin, two sons of Feanor, live. And she arrives, and the servants are at the house of, like, Kelegorm, and they're like, oh, you just missed them. They're on a hunt. Um, uh, but if you want to stick around here, uh, by all means. So she stays there for, like, a year, but, like, Kelegorm and Kurufin, they've gone to visit their brother Karanthir near the Blue Mountains. And they don't come back for like a year. And so eventually she's like, fuck she's this. She's just waiting I'm, there? I'm, she's like, I waited long enough. <laughs> I'm going to leave. And the servants are like, no, please stay. It's dangerous out there. And she's like, I'm sorry, but I've lost all my patience. And where is so she going to go? Back? She heads south and goes into this forest called Nan Elmoth, uh, thinking to maybe find them there but uh it's there that ale dwells now ale is a dark elf or it's called the dark elf yes he's the dark elf oh the the dark elf wow what a title he is apparent supposedly related to thingol and this forest is his kind of like it was like a gift to him from thingol and uh, he is a Sindar, and he just dislikes the Noldor because he's like, look at these colonizers coming into Sindarin lands. Look at these motherfuckers coming in. I hear they kill people. And uh, picking up all the slots on reality TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he kind of lives there also because he doesn't trust Melian. Thingol's wife, and he's like this weird goddess woman has like a him under a spell or some shit. So he lives in these very dark woods, and uh, he has this house here. And uh, the thing about Ale is he's also actually a great craftsman uh, because he's actually very good friends with dwarves. Mm. Uh, he is one of the few elves to actually be invited by dwarves to come visit them for like festivals and stuff Ooh. like that. He's the a dwarves handyman? like him. Yeah, and he can do smith work. Uh, let me see. Uh, and he learns from the dwarves, which is also a rare thing because they don't often teach people their secrets. Uh, there he learned much of metalwork and came to great skill therein. And he devised a metal as hard as the steel of dwarves, but so malleable that he could make it thin and supple. And yet it remained resistant to all blades and darts. He named it Galvorn, for it was black and shining like jet, and he was clad in it whenever he went abroad. And 
Arathael wanders into his forest and he sees her and he's just like, I must marry her. She must be mine. <laughs> On sight. So he uses his kind of control of the forest because this forest is his. He can kind of manipulate it so Ooh. that she winds her way to his home where he Not... greets her, lets her stay, and it just kind of says they got married. Oh, wow. Uh, Fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it literally says, And when Arathel, weary with wandering, came at last to his doors, he revealed himself and welcomed her and led her into his house. And there she remained, for Ale took her to wife, and it was long ere any of her kin heard of her again. Whoa. Now, so their relationship she... is... Yeah, go ahead. She never even saw Feanor's kids that she originally left. Nope. Just forgot the whole reason mm-hmm. and went and got married instead. Yeah. Uh, and it's... Their relationship is interesting because it can be read like he forced it like upon her. Yeah, there, if there's really no also, context, it could sound a little sketch, but... And also, but you're also like, you don't see her as like one to allow that to happen. Yeah. Like, she wasn't letting her brother restrain her. She seems like a strong, independent woman. And it does say here in the Silmarillion, it is not said that Arathel was wholly unwilling, nor that her life in Nan Elmoth was hateful to her for many years. Uh, but he essentially is like, you can't go out here. Out of here. And she's like, well, that's bullshit. And he's like, you can't. Because you're married to me. I don't like the sunlight. I don't like the land out there. I don't like the Feanorians. So you can't talk with them either. We already know how that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ale. Ale? Ale? Yeah. Might not, but we know. <laughs> but uh, they have a son. Uh, and Arathel bore to Ale a son in the shadows of Nan Elmoth, and in her heart she gave him a name in the forbidden tongue of the Noldor, Lomion, that signifies Child of the Twilight. Ooh. Uh, his father gave him no name until he was twelve years old. What? Then what? he called him Maglin, which is Sharp Glance, for he perceived that the eyes of his son were more piercing than his own, and his thought could read the secrets of hearts beyond the mist of words. I'm so, just wondering what he called him for 12 years. Boy! Like, kid! Spawn! Boy. I, I think it's like, boy. Yeah. Elf! Child! But, um... Yeah, uh, so Maglin grows up uh, under Ale. Ale teaches him how to be a craftsman. Uh, but what uh, Maglin loves the most is hearing stories from his mother about the Noldor. And about the city of Gondolin. And he imagines this grand white city on a great open green plain and the, surrounded by mountains, as opposed to their like crappy little, little dark home, like dark forest home. Like they have servants there who are apparently like they don't speak at all, which is kind of oh. creepy. But like, are they, are they elves or do they say what race they are? I just said servants. Huh. Um, but, uh, Eventually, as Maglin grows up, he's like, I want to see my mom's homeland. I want to see her people. I want to see this incredible hidden city that's so unlike anything my father has shown me. Yeah, me too. And, uh, me too, Maglin, me too. Yeah, but uh, Ale, when he like tells Ale about this, he says, 
You are of the house of Ale, Maeglin, my son, and not of the Galadrim. All this land is the land of the Teleri, and I will not deal nor have my son deal with the slayers of our kin, the invaders and usurpers of our homes. In this you shall obey me, or I will set you in bonds. And Maeglin did not answer, but was cold and silent, and went abroad no more with Aeol, and Aeol mistrusted him. Hmm. You know, that is pretty uh, unfair and intense, but also kind of valid after what happened. And mm. so, mm. like, Maeglin kind of becomes the emo teenager. Like, <laughs> Fuck you, Dad! Um, it's not a phase! It's not a phase! It was never a phase! But he eventually kind of goes to his mom and says, let's run away from Dad. I know you're oh. not happy here anymore. Oh, snap. And if you will lead me, I will go with you. Uh, I think he says, like, you will be my guide and I will be your protector. And we will make our way back to Gondolin, to your brother, and get to have the life I always dreamed about. And so wow. they wait for Aeol to ride off to a feast with the dwarves in the mountain. And when he rides off, they uh, leave. Uh, they basically tell the servants, hey, fuck off, we're leaving. Bye. Bye. Uh, but uh, when they leave, Aeol returns sooner than they thought he would. And he finds out from his servants that they were gone. He kind of rides after them. Uh, and he enters the land of Kel of uh, Himlad, where Kelogorm and Kurufin are. And they live mm. there now again. They're not still hunting. They're back. Uh, They're and they forever. get Yeah, they get uh, he gets waylaid by Kurufin, one of the brothers. And this is their exchange. Oh man. Then Kurufin said to Aeol, What errand have you, dark elf, in my lands? An urgent matter, perhaps, that keeps one so sun shy abroad by day. And Aeol, knowing his peril, restrained the bitter words that arose in his mind. I have learned, Lord Kurufin, he said, that my son and my wife, the White Lady of Gondolin, have ridden to visit you while I was from home, and it seemed to me fitting that I should join them on this errand. Then Kurufin laughed at Aeol, and he said, They might have found their welcome here less warm than they hoped, had, they had you accompanied them. But it is no matter, for that was not their errand. It is not two days since they passed over the Osiriach, and thence rode swiftly westward. It seems that you would deceive me, unless indeed you yourself have been deceived. Then Aeol answered, Then, Lord, perhaps you will give me leave to go and discover the truth of this matter. You have my leave, but not my love, said Kurufin. The sooner you depart from my land, the better it will please me. Then Aeol mounted his horse, saying, It is good, Lord Kurufin, to find a kinsman thus kindly at need. I will remember it when I return. Then Kurufin looked darkly upon Aeol. Do not flaunt the title of your wife before me, he said, for those who steal the daughters of the Noldor and wed them without gift or leave do not gain kinship with their kin, and I have given you leave to go. Take it and be gone. By the laws of the Eldar, I may not slay you at this time, and this counsel I add. Return now to your dwelling in the darkness of Nanelmoth, for my heart warns me that you now pursue those who love you no more. Never will you return hither. Wow. What was and that line that was like, words or tongue as sharp as a sword? Was... Uh, oh, see, brother, uh, 
this is sharper than thy tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that those are some cutting words. You get a lot of cutting words here. But um in any case, Ale pursues his wife and son and uh, he starts catching up on them. Uh he Where were managed... they where are they heading to? Uh Gondolin. So they're in Himlet, oh, okay. so now they're heading back okay. west. Uh, I got my map Gondolin. open. Yes. So they're <laughs> passing through Namdun Gortheb. Uh, but it's easier for them because they're kind of they have each other and they're looking out for each other and they make their way Aww. and Ale pursues them. What and, a good uh, mom and son trip. Eventually they reach uh the gates of Gondolin and the guards are like, Holy shit, it's the king's sister. So they quickly let her and her son in. And uh yeah, Torgon how many is... years has it been? Uh now she comes uh, back with a child. With a teenager. I don't know, actually. Uh, probably been a hot minute. Yeah, it's been a while. But, a hot uh, minute in elf years, which is like... Even what, hotter. Years? It's an even hotter <laughs> minute. It's a super hot minute. Um, but, like, Torgon is, like, overjoyed that his sister's returned. And he's like, I have a nephew! It's like... It's like anytime a sibling finds out, like, they are an aunt or an uncle. They're just Cute. like, holy shit! <laughs> And, like, Torgon quickly takes Maeglin uh, under his wing because uh, Torgon doesn't have a son. Uh, mm -hmm. He only has a daughter. And so... Uh, and, and his wife died crossing the Hell Karakse. Oh, God. And so he kind of takes Torgon... Uh, sorry, he kind of takes Maeglin under his wing and is just so happy. Uh, let me see. Uh, then Maeglin bowed low and took Torgon for a lord and king to do his will. And, uh, but thereafter he stood silent and watchful, for the bliss and splendor of Gondolin surpassed all that he had imagined from the tales of his mother. And he was amazed by the strength of the city and the hosts of its people, and the many things strange and beautiful that he beheld. Yet to none were his eyes more often drawn than to Idril, the king's daughter, who sat beside him. For she was golden as the Vanyar, her mother's kindred, and she seemed to him as the sun from which all the king's hall drew its light. So he starts looking at his cousin, and he's just like, wow, you're hot. And that'll play into things later, unfortunately. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. But uh, immediately after, uh, some guards run up into the king's hall, and they're like, uh, sir, we got a guy trying to break into the city. Uh, he says he's your sister's husband. And it, uh, Arathel says, it's true. He is my husband. Bring him here. Make sure no one harms him. He's still my husband. So Gosh. let him in. And so they bring Ale here. Uh, and uh, let me see. And Torgon says, welcome, kinsman, for so I hold you. Here you shall dwell at your pleasure, save only that you must abide here and depart not from my kingdom. For it is my law that none who finds the way hither shall depart. But Eol withdrew his hand. I acknowledge not your law, he said. No right have you or any of your kin in this land to seize realms or to set bounds, either here or there. This is the land of the Teleri, to which you bring war and all unquiet, dealing ever proudly and unjustly. I care nothing for your secrets, and I came not to spy upon you, but to claim my own, my wife and my son. 
Yet if in Arethel, your sister, you have some claim, then let her remain. Let the bird go back to the cage, where soon she will sicken again, as she sickened before. Oh, snap. But not so, Maeglin. My son, you shall not withhold from me. Come, Maeglin, son of Ale, your father commands you, leave oh. the house of his enemies and the slayers of his kin, or be accursed. But Maeglin answered oh, nothing. Oh, no. Then Torgon sat in his high seat, holding his, holding his staff of doom, and in a stern voice spoke, I will not debate with you, Dark Elf. By the swords of the Noldor alone are your sunless woods defended. Your freedom to wander where, uh, your freedom to wander there wild you owe to my kin, and but for them long since you would have labored in thraldom in the pits of Angband. And here I am king, whether you will it or will it not. My doom is law. This choice is only as given to you, to abide here or to die here, and so also for your son. Then Eo looked into the eyes of Torgon, and he was not daunted, but stood long without word or movement, while a still silence fell upon the hall. Then Arathel was afraid, knowing that he was perilous. Suddenly, swift as a serpent, he seized a javelin that he had hid beneath his cloak and threw oh. it at Maeglin, crying, The second choice I take, and for my son also, you shall not hold what is mine. But Arathel sprang before the javelin, and it smote her in the shoulder, oh. and Aeol was overborne by many and set in bonds and led away, while others tended Arathel. But Maeglin, looking upon his father, was silent. So uh, essentially... Oh. Yeah. God, the <laughs> a lot happened. Damn. So tension. Tension fight, tensions are high. Square off. Mm -hmm. Uh Ale went to throw a javelin at Terragon? At Maeglin. At, at his son? Because uh Torgon essentially says, This is your choice. To stay here and live here, or yeah. to die here. And then he says, your son also has that choice. And, and he didn't say anything. Ale goes, Hegel, Ale thinks for a minute before he takes the javelin and essentially says, I'm choosing for me and my son that we will both die here. And then he oh throws it at his son. But Arathel <laughs> jumps in front of it yeah. and hits her in the shoulder. And Damn. so Ale is quickly like dogpiled. Yeah. Hold him, they restrain him and they lead him away to like the dungeons. But uh, Arathel keeps pleading with her brother to show mercy to her husband. But unfortunately, the javelin was poisoned. Oh, no. And she sickens, and she oh, dies. Oh, damn! And at that point, Torgon's like, okay, no. He's, he's damn, gonna that's, die. That's why you don't let people in. Mm. And so... Therefore, when Ale was brought before Turgon, he found no mercy, and they led him forth to the Karagdur, a precipice of black rock upon the north side of the hill of Gondolin, to cast him down from the sheer walls of the city. So their form of execution is throwing him off a wall to Just splatter on the rocks God. below. Also, such a kick-ass name, though, the Karagdur. <laughs> Uh, and Maeglin just watches, he watches his father's execution after I mean, seeing his mother die. I was about to say his mom already died. Mm -hmm. So he watches his father's execution I am and surprised he doesn't he say didn't, anything. He didn't shove him himself. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And Maeglin stood by and said nothing. But at last Aeol cried out, So you forsake your father and his kin, ill-gotten son. Here shall you fail of all your hopes, and here may you yet die the same death as I. Then they cast Aeol over the Caragdur, and so he ended. And to all in Gondolin it seemed just. But Idril, the king's daughter, was troubled, and from that day she mistrusted Maeglin. But Maeglin prospered and grew great among the Gondolindrim, uh, praised by all and high in the favor of the king, for he would learn eagerly and swiftly all that he might, and he had also much to teach. And so, essentially, he uh, gathers, like, he becomes like the the big man on campus, essentially. <laughs> Everyone's Because he's like the foreign oh, exchange student. Yeah, oh, this... He's the hot emo kid, and they're like, <laughs> oh, he's the Edward. Um, like, oh, he's so high, he's so cool. He knows how to make this kick-ass metal that doesn't Son break. Son of the dark elf. Yeah, his dad is a dark elf. Did you hear? The bad boy. Oh, he's, got a, he's got an edgy backstory. His dad <laughs> killed his mom, and then his uncle killed his dad. God. It's like, oh, wow. And then they shoved him off of the cliff. Mm. Oh, uh, but then... Uh, from his first days in Gondolin, he had borne a grief, ever worsening, that robbed him of all joy. And he loved the beauty of Idril, his cousin, and desired her without hope. The Eldar wedded not with kin so near, nor ever before had any desire to do so. And however that might be, Idril loved Maeglin not at all. And knowing his thought for her, she loved him the less. For mm -hmm. it seemed to her a thing strange and crooked in him, as indeed the Eldar have ever since deemed it an evil fruit of the kinslaying, whereby the shadow of the curse of Mandos fell upon the last hope of the Noldor. But as the years passed, still Maeglin watched Idril, and waited, and his love turned to darkness in his heart, and he sought the more to have his will in other matters, shirking no toil or burden, if he might thereby have more power. Thus it was in Gondolin, and amid all the bliss of that realm, while its glory lasted, a dark seed of evil was sown. Oh, man. So, it's kind of this thing, because we see in uh, The Curse of Mandos, when, like, Mandos curses Feanor for the kinslaying, one of the mm. things is mistrust of your own kin will lead to their own destruction. Mm. And so we start to see seeds like this start to drop in every great citadel of power that the elves have. Uh, like a cancer slowly creeping through until eventually it crumbles everything. Yeah. Heck. So yeah, like, even when they have like Morgoth locked up in like his fortress. So trouble's still are, brewing. Trouble's still brewing. <laughs> like they don't need, they don't even need Morgoth to be self-destructive. Um, so I see. Yeah, it's... Dang. You can't destroy me. Only I can destroy me. <laughs> uh, I think we can cover one more segment. Yes. All right. So. Give it to me, Paul. Give it to me. So so they're vibing, but also not mm -hmm. vibing in... Uh... In Valerian's. Yeah. So by this point, 300 years have passed since the Noldor came to Valerian's. So three centuries... And uh, it happens that one day Finrod Felagund, uh, Lord of Nargothrond, uh, his big thing is he's basically friends with everybody. 
Uh, he's he, a Hufflepuff. <laughs> he's us. He's us. Where if anyone dislikes him, it crushes us. Your uh, whole week is ruined. Yeah, you're just like, oh, what did I do? So um, please, guys, only five star reviews on this podcaster. We will cry. Please be nice. Um, uh, but Finrod gets an invitation uh, by, um, uh, yes, uh, from Maglor and Mithros, the sons of Feanor. And they're like, hey, let's go hunting in this place called Assyriand. Wait, Mythos? Mythros, yeah. Was he the one who was hanging? Yeah, he is the he's the redhead with only one hand now. Yeah, because they had to cut it off to save him. Yeah. From the and cliff. Maglor is his bard brother, basically. Oh, um, bard brother. Very nice. Bard brother. <laughs> uh, it's like brother bear. It's brother bard. Um, <laughs> but they're like, hey. Come hunting with us in Assyriand, this place called, uh, which is like Land of the Seven Rivers, where the green elves live. Uh, we'll go hunting. It'll be great, and we'll do some exploring. And so, Finrod's vacay, like, "Hey, if you will, cool, yeah, vacay." It's they're they're going up to the nor- uh, Pacific Northwest to do some, <laughs> in the, checking out those forests. Yeah, just um, to get away, have a little family little time. You time, yeah. yeah. And so. He enters into Assyriand, and they're hunting, and he gets kind of separated from the rest of his hunting party. And he's going through these woods at night, and he notices a bunch of bonfires coming from some of these glades near the mountains. Wait, who gets separated? Uh, Finrod. Okay. And he's like, that's weird, because the green elves here, they don't cut wood, and they don't burn it. They use, like, this, this photoluminescent, like mushrooms to light their way in the dark of course fires is too obvious yeah gotta be more magical and they're green elves so they're very environmentally conscious yes um and he's like oh shit this is probably a company of orcs Uh, so he quickly kind of sneaks up and then he sees them but these aren't orcs these are odd people who are kind of like elves but they're not quite elves Ooh. They're not as tall, they're not as beautiful, and their ears are, are round. Men? They're men. Men have come into the West. I know, they're not beautiful. But really. he watches them. <laughs> Long, Felagund watched them, and love for them stirred in his heart. But he remained hidden in the trees until they had all fallen asleep. Ooh. Then he went among the sleeping people and sat beside their dying fire where none kept watch. And he took up a small harp that uh, their leader had laid aside. And he played music upon it, such as the ears of men had not heard. For they had. So wait, they, wait, wait. He just walks into a camp of men. When they're all asleep. Sees a harp and was like, let me just play a little music to the species I've never seen before. And because my headcanon is always like these first age elves are like seven foot and up. And it's like, imagine like a Sasquatch walking right into your camp, <laughs> picking up like a, your didgeridoo and just, and wah, just wah, yeah, like, while you're sleeping. That's what you wake up to. Yeah, that's what you wake up to. This I... odd creature you've never seen before. <laughs> Respect. Playing music. But he does that. He pulls out this harp and he plays music. Uh, and humans have met dark elves, uh, the elves who did not go into the West. Hmm. Uh, the ones who stayed behind and were like, we're not moving anywhere. And they, they kind of met humans and humans are aware of elves, but they haven't mm-hmm. met like an elf like this before. Who's like seen the light of the trees. 
old elf, in other words. Yeah. Uh, now men awoke and listened to Felagund as he harped and sang, and each thought that he was in some fair dream, until he saw that his fellows were awake all him. But they did not speak or stir while Felagund still played, because of the beauty of the music and the wonder of the song. Wisdom was in the words of the elven king, and the hearts, that, uh, and the hearts grew wiser that hearkened to him. For the things of which he sang, of the making of Arda, and the bliss of Amon beyond the shadows of the sea, came as clear visions before their eyes, and his elvish speech was interpreted in each mind according to its measure. And so, one thing you learn about Finrod is he's an incredible singer. Uh, and if you remember, music is what created the world in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there's this innate magic in music that Finrod is able to call upon. And essentially, when he sings, even though they don't speak his language, they know exactly what he's singing about, and they can translate it in their heads. Just Ooh. Um, I knew this and was so, a musical. Yeah. I intended and it all as a musical. The first name that men call Finrod is, they call him Nom, which in their language just means wisdom. Oh. And they call the elves Nomen, which means the wise. Mm. So uh, they see this elf and they're like, oh, oh. And he's like, I like you guys too. You guys are pretty funky. Oh, cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, Finrod loves humans. Like, he meets I can tell if he would like, just like, <gasps> yeah, he just saw them and was like, what are these beautiful creatures? Let me mm. go play their harp for them as they sleep. <laughs> and so eventually he talks with their leader, whose name is Beor. And Beor, uh, when, as Beor talks, Finrod can kind of understand what he's saying. Because, yeah, because uh, they're speaking different language. It's like Elvish yeah. and English. Uh, Elvish and man, man, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here comes the man. <laughs> Hello, man. Adult man. Welcome, taxpayer. Oh my god, that'd be a great TikTok. I'm using that. No one steal it. <laughs> but you need to, you need to get those niche Silmarillion TikToks uh, out. Yes, I need very... to. I haven't got to the Silmarillion TikTok area yet i is made it there, to lord of the rings is there a film really if not i'm creating it. it i'm starting it i'll you know what i'll start making some with you if okay only to support you um <laughs> but uh the, the the language the men of Beor speak has also been kind of taught to them by the dark elves so there's kind of like a language link a bit it's like when you're hearing like spanish and then you hear uh Italian. Well no, you hear like a word that is very similar to the word yeah. in English. Mm. And then you're like, oh, you're talking about such and such. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it is. And because Finrod is just innately kick ass, uh, he just seems to know he just picks up their language actually pretty quickly. And he talks with them, and he finds out that Beor is just one of many groups of men who have left the East because there's a great darkness back there. Oh. And none of the men will talk about it because some of them, like many of them, weren't even born when their people left. And all they've ever known is that we just got to keep going West because there's a darkness in the East and we can't stay there. Is it there. capitalism? It's Morgoth. Uh, it, it, legend has... <laughs> 
the elves believe that Morgoth, when he was locked in Angband, he actually had like a secret back door that he snuck out and found men and basically enslaved a bunch of them. Of course. And had this he kind of He wouldn't be like, sitting there twiddling his thumbs. Yeah, there was this great darkness kind of building, and that scared a bunch of them who wouldn't be slaves to start moving west. Mm. Um, and uh, Bayor is like, hey, there's more people that are coming. There are my folk, uh, the people of Bayor, but there are uh, the Haladin, who are another group of men. They speak a different language from us. They're their own unique culture. And then there are uh, another group that are the largest, and they, and they march in military rank and formation. And they're led by a man called Merak. And Merak. so, yeah. So wait, there's and, the Haladin, Merak, and the people of Beor? Yes, those names? are the three main cultures of men that, co that come into play in the Silmarillion. You can usually tell them apart because... By their hair and their height. Yes. <laughs> The men of uh, Beor are described as having dark hair and gray eyes. Uh, the Haladin are are called like they're kind of short, scruffy, brown-haired people. And then the uh, men of Marak, they are like a lot of them are like blonde and stuff, and stuff and very tall. And so Beor is kind of conveying all this to Felagund. And uh, Finrod, like, sticks around with them for a while. And he's just living among them. He's learning their ways. He's loving, he's loving life. Vibing with the men, just yeah. vibing with humans, man. <laughs> um, uh, but now the green Wait, elves... but have... they, were, they were, were on a hunting trip. And then he, like, got separated. Yeah. And now he's and just he hanging out, out with men. It's like that one person who's, like that one friend you lose track of and then when you find them again they've gotten themselves into some <laughs> weird situation like you lost them at the club and so next thing you know yeah next thing you know they're with mike tyson and a tiger <laughs> and you're like how did you even get in this situation it's a funny story or like imagine like your roommate is like you get separated from the club and then they come back with like five puppies and you're like, how, why, how did this happen? And they're like, aren't they cute? And you're like, well, that's beside the point. How did this happen? Um, and that's how I met your mother. Oh God. Don't bring that up. Please. <laughs> I hate that show. Uh, now the green elves of Assyriant were troubled by the coming of men. And when they heard that the Lord, a Lord of the Eldar from over the sea was among them, they sent messengers to Finrod. Lord, they said, if you have power over these newcomers, bid them return by ways that they came, or else to keep going forward. For we desire no strangers in this land to break the peace in which we live, and these folk are hewers of trees and hunters of beasts. Therefore they are our unfriends, and if they will not depart, we shall afflict them in all the ways that we can. I didn't know unfriend was a word. Well, they're not your sworn enemy, but they're so unlike you that they're your unfriends. Unfriends. <laughs> These are our unfriends. It's like that person you unfriended from Facebook. Yeah. You're like, oh no, not a mutual. They are an unfriend. Yeah, unfriend. <laughs> so, Finrod essentially takes Bayor and some of his people 
and well, he actually leads their people to this place called Estelad, which is this nice little kind of green pasture land that's near Doriath, but not quite at it. It's actually kind of close to where Aeol used to live. Hmm. But uh, he leads them there, and he's like, stay here, you should be safe. I gotta check with the other lords of the Noldor to see where we can house you guys. So he goes off and he speaks with uh, Fingolfin, who is now the high king of the Noldor. And he's like, hey, these are really cool people and they can help us fight Morgoth if Important. we need it. Get those allies. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, also, Bayor stays with um, Finrod and basically be- they become besties and they won't leave each other's side. Sounds like a love story. Kind of is. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, Bayor wasn't his original name. Uh, his original name was Balan, but he changed. They changed. Uh, he changed it to Bayor, which means vassal. Uh, because he's like, no, I serve Finrod now. He's a cool dude. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sounds like love. And, like, yeah, he basically leaves his son to be the chieftain of their people and goes off with Finrod and eventually, like, dies. They live happily ever after. Just Except a couple dies. of besties. Histories will say they were, history will say they were best friends. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you have the Haladin, and they, ent- they, they finally enter into, uh, the, into Assyriand. But it says they met with the unfriendship of the Green Elves, meaning I think a few Haladin got a few arrows shot at them. And so the Haladin wisely go, oh, let's just keep going. Let's fucking book it. <laughs> so they come to Estelad, and they kind of, uh, no, uh, they go north to, uh, if you're looking on the map, there's this place called Thargelion, north of Assyriand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go north and live there. And, uh, they remain safe there, but then you have the folk of Merak, who are the biggest group of people. And they arrive into Assyriand, and the Green Elves are like, no, we're not fucking with these guys, because there's <laughs> a lot of them, and they, they have, like, military tactics and stuff, so we're not fucking with them. Uh, but luckily, uh, the folk of Merak heard that the folk of Beor had found a place to live. So they go there, and it's getting crowded, and eventually... Um, Finrod returns with uh, news from Fingolfin with like, hey, you guys can come live in all these places that the High Elves are living. Mm. Um, but, uh, and a lot of uh, humans like enlist with the Elves as like warriors and stuff. And they kind of gain like this uh, blood brotherhood thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of assumed that the Elves are going to become the lords of these men. But Fingolfin's like, no. They need lords of their own. They mm. need other men leading them because that's not our job to be their commanders and leaders. Wow. Like, we'll give them guidance and we'll aid them, but like we're, they need their own lords and representatives. That's what America thinks it's doing. It not is. Not what it's really doing. <laughs> but then uh, this news kind of comes from Fingolfin uh, that they can start to settle things. But a lot of the men who have stayed in this place called Estelad, they're kind of, they don't trust the elves. Uh, and let me just read out what it says here. 
the leaders of discontent were Bereg of the house of Beor and Amlach, one of the grandsons of Merach. And they said openly, We took long roads desiring to escape the perils of Middle-earth and the dark things that dwell there. For we heard that there was light in the west, but now we learn that the light is beyond the sea. Thither we cannot come where the gods dwell in bliss, save one. For the Lord of the Dark is here before us, and the Eldar, wise but fell, who make endless war upon him. In the north he dwells, they say, and there is the pain and death from which we fled. We will not go that way. Then a council and assembly of men was called, and great numbers came together. And the elf friends answered Bereg, saying, Truly from the Dark King come all the evils from which we fled, but he seeks dominion over all Middle-earth, and whither now shall we turn, and he will not pursue us? unless he be vanquished here, or at least held in leaguer. Only by the valor, valor of the Eldar is he restrained, and maybe it was for this purpose, to aid them at need, that we were brought to this land. To this Bereg answered, Let the Eldar look to it. Our lives are short enough. But there arose one who seemed to all to be Amlak, son of Imlak, speaking fell words that shook the hearts to, of all who had heard him. All this is but elvish lore, tales to beguile newcomers that are unwary. The sea has no shore. There is no light in the west. You have, fool, you have, uh, you have followed a fool fire of the elves to the end of the world. Which one of you have seen the least of the gods? Who has beheld the dark king in the north? Those who seek the dominion of Middle-earth are the Eldar. Greedy for wealth, they have delved in the earth for its secrets, and have stirred the wrath, uh, to wrath the things that dwell beneath it, as they have ever done and ever shall. Let the orcs have the realm that is theirs, and we will have ours. There is room in the world if the Eldar will let us be. Then those that listened sat for a while astounded, and a shadow of fear fell on their hearts, and they resolved to depart from the lands of the Eldar. But afterwards Amlak returned among them, and denied that he had been present at their debate, or had spoken such words as they had reported. And there was doubt and bewilderment among men. Then the elf friend said, You will now believe this, at least. There is indeed a dark lord, and his spies and emissaries are among us, for he fears us, and the strength that, he, that we may give to his foes. Uh, oh. Yeah, so this guy had a doppelganger at the meeting, and they came back. He's like, that's not me, guys. That's not me. <laughs> Uh, but some still answered, he hates us rather, and ever the more the longer we dwell here, meddling in his quarrel with the kings of the Eldar, to no gain of ours. Many, therefore, of those that yet remained in Estelad made ready to depart, and Bereg led a thousand of the people of Beor away southwards, and they passed out of the songs of those days. But Amlak repented, saying, I have now a quarrel of my own with this master of lies, which will last to my life's end. And he went away north, and entered the service of Mithros. But those of his people who were of like mind with Bereg chose a new leader, and they went back over the mountains into Eriador, and are forgotten. Ah, uh, so we had men together, and then they split. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this entire time, you have the Haladin as a, their own separate thing, living in Thargelion. Mm. Uh, but as they're living there, they come under... Uh, they are led by a guy named Haldad. And he has a son named uh, Haldar. 
and he has a daughter oh, named Haleth. Oh god. Haldad, Haldar, Haleth? Yep. And they're all Haladin. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna forget that in thirty seconds. At that point, Morgoth is like, hmm, things have been too calm. Too recently. quiet. So he sends this big orc raid into Thargelion. He has the orcs elite like go around the back of his fortress and come over the Blue Mountains into Thargelion and start raiding. <laughs> and they start slaying so many of the Haladin. Oh no. And so they were uh, just vibing. Do you see uh the rivers Askar and Gelion on Is the map? To, um... uh, it's in the south of Thargelion. There's like the river Askar oh. is on the south end of Thargelion, and yes, Galleon, I think, is on the west side. Yes, uh, so you see where those two rivers meet. Yep, they essentially build this massive barricade between those two rivers in that little like triangle pocket right there. Yeah, and they basically bring all their people there and fortify it. And try to hold out against the orcs as long as possible. Hooey. Uh, so, Haldad is eventually slain Aww. by the orcs. Nice and Haldar quickly runs out from the walls to get his father's body, but then he oh, no. gets slain. Of course. So, Haleth becomes no, the leader. No, just stay. Don't tell me she she's doesn't. Yeah, she okay. stays. <laughs> she holds the people together and they hold their defenses. And then eventually the orcs just keep coming and they keep battering at this little barricade they've built between the two rivers. And just as the orcs are about to break through, the elf horns sound. And Karanthir, who lives in the north of Thargelion, charges down and wipes out uh, the orc raiding The party. elves are coming. Mm -hmm. Just got chills a little bit. I love it when you're like, it feels like all hope is lost and then you mm -hmm. look like on the horizon and... It's just That's... like in Return of the King. It's that good yeah. charge. Um, then Caranthir looked kindly upon men and did Haleth great honor, and he offered her recompense for her father and brother. Mm. And seeing late, uh, too late, the valor that valor that there was in the in men, he said to her, "If you will remove and dwell further north, there you shall have the friendship and the protection of the Eldar and free lands of your own." The Haleth was proud and unwilling to be guided or ruled, and most of the Haladin were of like mood. I was going to say, it sounds like a good deal, but yeah. I get it. Yeah. Therefore she thanked Caranthir, but answered, My mind is now set, Lord, to leave the shadow of the mountains and go west, whither others of our kin have gone. When therefore the Haladin had gathered all whom they could find alive of their folk who had fled into the wild— and they had uh, gleaned what remained of their goods in their burned homesteads. They took Haleth as their chief, and she led them at last to Estelad, and there they dwelt for a time. But because of their language barrier, they don't mix in well with the people living in Estelad. Hmm. So eventually, they want to uh, move uh, beyond it. Uh, do you see uh, a forest called Brethil that kind of juts out of Doriath? On the map? Brethel? Yes. B-R-E-T-H-I-L. Uh, uh, it's on the west side of the of Doriath. And it's separated uh, oh, from the rest by yes. a river. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she eventually leads her people there. And uh, 
because not very many people live in Brethel. There are no elves living there. It's technically part of Doriath, but mm. it's not protected by this magic girdle. <laughs> so uh, she leaves them there, and uh, Thingol is like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? That's my forest. <laughs> uh, but Finrod, his nephew, kind of comes up and is like, look, they're really good. Let me see if they can... Uh, we can work something out. Uh, Finrod, who had the friendship of Thingol, hearing of all that had befallen the people of Haleth, obtained really this grace for her, that she should dwell free in Brethil upon, upon the condition only that her people should guard the crossings of the river against all enemies of the Eldar, and allow no orcs to enter their woods. Mm-hmm. To this Haleth answered, Where are Haldad my father and Haldar my brother? If the king of Doriath fears a friendship between Haleth and those who have devoured her kin, then the thoughts of the Eldar are strange to men. And so she essentially says, okay, well, we weren't going to let orcs live here anyway, because they ate my brother and my yeah, dad. Yeah, just, you know, common sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Haleth dwelt in Brethil until she died, and her people oh. raised a green mound over her in the heights of the forest. Uh, the oh. Lady Barrow. Also, many people kind of see her as, like, a canon lesbian, since she never gets married to anyone. Hell yeah. Let me just go lead my people. Mm-hmm. I don't need no man. We love to see it. And so, humans spread out. The House of Merak, uh, they are led by this uh, descendant of Merak called Hador. Uh, he's also known as Hador Goldenhead because of his blonde hair. <laughs> and he's like this kick-ass warrior who like leads a charge against the orcs and stuff. And he goes to live under uh, Fingolfin uh, in Hithlam. Mm. And they're essentially given this location called Dor Loman that's in Hithlam to be their own home. So the House of Merak kind of sticks with Fingolfin. The Haladin kind of stick to themselves in Brethil. And then the House of Beor uh, ties itself with Finrod and his brothers. Most of the House of Beor goes to dwell in this place called Dorthonion, which is right mm-hmm. next to Gondolin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where uh, Finrod's brothers, Egnor and Angrod, live. And so they kind of live there and guard with them. Okay. Um, and fun fact, Agnor is the only recorded elf male to fall in love with a human female. Whoa. Okay, wait, say that again. The only elf, uh, to elf fall in love. Elf man to fall in love with a human woman. Ooh. Do we hear about that or is it just like sprinkled? Not in, in the Silmarillion, but there are uh her name is Andreth, and she's like this wise woman. And uh it's Tolkien wrote this almost like uh, a like a plate like Plato's dialogues, like a f- philosophical mm-hmm. argument between two mm-hmm. people over the nature of mortality and immortality, and yeah. uh, the two people involved are Finrod and Andreth after Agnor dies in battle. Huh. Um, but Andreth is of the folk of Beor, and so. There's this kind of a very cute relationship, but yeah. it doesn't feature into the film really. Interesting. So, I was just thinking yeah. about Aragorn and Arwen and mm-hmm. if 
like we know they're big drama in Lord of the Rings, but I was curious if that ever happened again, like this forbidden elves. Well, there are humans. There are basically three marriages of elves and humans. Arwen and Aragorn is one of them. Then you have uh, Baron and Luthien. And then you have uh, Tuor and Idril, which we'll cover mm. later on. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think we are good for this episode. Ew. So humans have settled in. Things are still kind of peaceful. A little bit. A little Heads rocky, up. but... The next chapter is called The Ruin of Belriand and the Fall of Fingolfin. Oh. So we have that to look forward to. Buckle up, boys. It will be a fun little ride to go on. Maybe I'll make myself a drink for that one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Get a Helkaroxy grinded iced coffee. Yeah. <laughs> with oh. a shot of Kahlua. Ooh, that does sound good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Actually, I just found out from my, having dinner with my parents today, like a great, like dessert is like, uh, coffee ice cream with like some Kahlua poured over it. Oh yeah. Not mm -hmm. bad. Uh, but yes. Uh, do you have any questions? Anything? To oh man, that felt like that was, that. That was fun. There was a yeah. lot going on in that. I. It's a lot. I think the biggest shock for me was when uh, Ale, is that how you say his name? Yeah, Ale. Yeah. Ale went to go kill his son. Mm hmm. That whole. God, Tolkien, where, how, where do you come up with these? It's good drama. The thing, yeah. and no doubt if you ask Aaron about this, they will be happy to tell you <laughs> that the Silmarillion sucks. Because there is no like real dialogue, you don't get to see uh, the inner turmoil of these characters. You don't get to. It's analyze just kind of like them. action, yeah. facts, very much history, right? Yeah, it's like I always say it's like reading the King James Bible, essentially, <laughs> with some cool magic involved. But that's it. it. Just um, a little bit of flavor, which I think lends itself well to like fan fiction and stuff because a lot say, of you the Silmarillion any of these and just like run with the story and the backstory or the like I don't know characterizations like you could take mm -hmm. any of these instances and turn it into a feature film yeah and so or Amazon Prime series <laughs> yes Amazon reach out to me I can <laughs> uh but yeah uh that's essentially it for this episode. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, special thanks, of course, to Wool for the cover art and Wool. to my friend Jack Hook for composing the music. Jack. And what was what was my Twitter prompt when we started? Oh, uh, tell us if Bilbo is a Hufflepuff. At, yes, tell uh, us if Bilbo is a Hufflepuff. Over on Twitter. Well, thank uh, you for Bilbo sending me. Bilbo is definitely me. a Hufflepuff. <laughs> How did we settle on Bilbo? Uh, I don't even remember. We'll have to play this back. We'll have to. <laughs> I don't. I let's not even. Let's just remain clueless for the rest of the episode. <laughs> uh, but yes, as always, thank you for listening to our shit, and uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye. 
Oh, that's good. How does our? I always want to say the end of our music, and I always want to go dun da da, but it doesn't. It goes, it goes down. How does? Yeah. It, da, da, cause like that's that's the Indiana Jones theme song. I think I'm gonna just end the episode with you going da da, da and then the music will play. Da, da.